Hey everyone, this is your therapy session with Emily. I'm your host, Emily Mazur, aka Portland Hairstylist. Well, before starting this podcast, I had been thinking about it for almost a year. I would talk with my clients, coworkers, and friends about it. One day, when I used to work at 77 Salon, I was hanging out in the break room when our color rep showed up. I always loved talking with Jill, and I told her about my idea for a show. She said, you know what? You should really check out this company called Ziba Hub and speak with Mandana. It's a beauty app which was created here, here being Portland. So I reached out to her and we met at Ken's Bakery. It was really cool to sit down with Mandana to hear her story. Ziba Hub, which means beautiful in Farsi, is an app that was originally created because her mother, an esthetician, was having a difficult time finding a space to lease to do her services. We, you know, us in the beauty industry, we don't have a place to look for jobs or keep a digital resume. Most beauty professionals don't rely on digital business tools to find work. The most common way we find jobs is by walking door to door. I mean, there's LinkedIn and Craigslist, but those don't really work for us because half of us are independent contractors seeking spaces to lease, not looking for a traditional job like other industries. Ziba Hub is an app where beauticians can showcase their education and experience, highlight their offerings, declare their diversity and inclusion practices, and get discovered by employers and clients seeking their services. For salons, Ziba Hub is a recruitment tool with a work board designed specifically for the industry. Here is the interview with Mandana Slahi Stewart, founder and CEO of Ziba Hub. All right, guys, I am with Mandana Slahi Stewart, founder and CEO of the app Ziba Hub. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I, you know what's so funny is I, because we tried to record before. Did we try to record twice before last year? Uh, I think so. Okay. And I think each time you did, you blanked out the screen so I couldn't see you. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> so I was, yeah, I was just complimenting you on uh, how beautiful you look. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. I was saying I look like I just woke up. But no, Thank you. no, you look great. <laughs> um, okay. So I met Mandana, I think it was 2019. Was it 2019? I think we met right at the very beginning of the pandemic before things got shut down. Yeah. That was 20. So I was talking to a rep, Jill, um, mm -hmm. from Cosmoprof and said, yeah, you know, I think I want to start a podcast and interview people in Portland. And then she gave me your contact. Like, you should really check out Mandana, go talk to her. And I think you were actually the last person that I sat down and had coffee with. And that was at Ken's Bakery. 
Yes. And who would have ever thought that would be such like a magical, like longful experience, right? Like I know. And (laughs) you guys, I am a total phone call person. And so I'll call Mandana up and she has told me it's only you and my best friend that call me. Yeah. My parents. Yep. That's it. Um, well, I really like your story a lot and we sat down for a while, I think like an hour and a half or something at Ken's. Mm -hmm. Um, so can you go back before creating the app where you're originally from? Cause you're from Iran, but you made your way here to the U S. Yeah. Um, so I was about eight years old when my parents left Iran. Um, and just like for a brief history lesson, there was a raging war between Iran and Iraq for about eight, nine years. And I was born um, right into that war, essentially. And so most of my life in Iran, there was some kind of war going on. My dad was military, so he'd be gone for extended periods of time. Um, and my parents sort of plotted, as, as a lot of Iranians did during that time, an escape with hopes of getting to America, but a lot of people don't end up in America at the end. Um, you know, the immigration journeys is um, not not with guarantees. Mm-hmm. So when my parents were planning the last couple of years um, of their time in Iran to immigrate um, to the U.S., my mom went to cosmetology school just so she could learn um, a universally recognized skill set that she'd be able to practice anywhere we ended up um, so that she could provide for the family. Um, As part of that immigration experience, not only do you not know where you're going to end up, but you don't really know what the circumstances are going to be. And Mm -hmm. you're not really starting, um, you know, 99% of the time, you're not starting in a place where you even speak the language. So you're going to have to start from scratch. So um, cosmetology really seemed like that, um, almost like silver bullet. Like you could end up in Japan, you could end mm-hmm. up in Canada or anywhere in Europe and you could do hair, right? And like always going to need that service. And did she start cosmetology in Turkey? She started in Iran. Um, oh, okay. We actually turned one of our bedrooms into a hair salon. Oh yeah, that's house. right. Okay. <laughs> So, so um, all of our neighbors would come get their hair done. But throughout the journey, when we left Iran, we ended up in Turkey, you know, for a few months. We ended up in Germany for a few months. So it's not like you just get on a plane and you come straight to America. That's not really how it works. What was your mom doing during that time and your dad? Like, if you guys were over in Turkey for a few months, could they even work at all? No. Once you, um, and I don't know how things are now. I mean, it's been 30 some odd years. But yeah. Once we applied for political asylum, the U.S. Embassy, um, you know, started a case and they start vetting the people who've applied to enter your country. And so a lot of it is background checks. There was, you know, there was blood work, there was interviews. And Mm -hmm. so it's just a lengthy process. Um, And all you can do is just sit still and just wait. And, you know, they might move you to the next level or you might get rejected. For us, we started in Turkey and the next level was to wait in Germany for a while. Mm. So we kind of go through phases. And are those, those are called the refugee camps, right? Yeah. So we um, were very, very fortunate in that we didn't end up in any refugee camps. We were in um, our own private like rooms or apartments or whatever. Um, 
you know, my dad was a colonel in the Iranian military. So he got, I think a little bit, you know, different treatment maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of ways, I think we were just very, very fortunate. Um, so for us, like me being eight years old, my brother was 13. It felt a lot like, you know, something fun, like, oh, it's an adventure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure for my parents, it was very nerve wracking because they were yeah. like, a brand new life. Um, when, and it was terrifying, but when you guys ended up in the U.S., did you end up in Portland? We did. We came straight okay. to Portland. My mom had um, a sibling and her stepmom who lived here, who also was a hairstylist. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that. That was kind of her inspo for for going to cosmetology school. Um, and did she just go for aesthetics or the whole thing? Well, in Iran, it's really for hair. Okay. So like when she went to school, it was mostly for hair. And then when we came here, she ended up going back for skincare. So right now, all she does is um, facials. Okay. Now, before you even created the app, which a lot of it had to do with your mom and her journey with hair yeah. or aesthetics, mm-hmm. before that, you went into school for criminal justice. Is that right? You did. <laughs> I have it in my notes. I look, oh yeah, I have the date and every set. I'm like going through my notes. Okay. So tell me about that. Oh man. So when I went to school, um, I thought, listen, I grew up in the eighties and I watched a lot of like the original 21 jump street with like Johnny (laughs) (laughs) and like Holly Robinson And I, for some reason, thought I wanted to, like, work for the FBI or, like, work undercover. (laughs) Um, I think my intentions were good, so I'm going to give myself a pass on that. But but I did. I got a criminal justice and psychology degree. Um, Like, I legit went to school for this. And then I came out. I worked with, um, I worked with at-risk kids for a few Mm -hmm. years. And I loved it. I felt like it was really my calling to be working with teenagers because, you know, I had kind of like a a difficult um, patch growing up here, just being different, being, you know, of another cloth. And so I felt like I could relate to some of these kids Mm -hmm. that I could help. But ultimately what ended up happening is I realized the the way that I wanted to help did not align with the way that the system was designed, which was Mm -hmm. very punitive. And so it was more depressing and difficult for Mm -hmm. me to be in those situations. and so I took those skills of, you know, teaching GED classes and, and working with the at-risk youth. And I ended up as a corporate trainer. Okay. How did you find that job then? Um, it was like, I think I'd been doing a lot of education for about two or three years. I was teaching classes to mm-hmm. these kids. And so I remember looking in at the time it was a paper, it was a physical paper <laughs> for jobs. So funny. Um, I looked in the paper for a job. There was a, there was a company that had just opened that was a, uh, it was an online university. Oh, okay. They were opening a campus in Portland. It wasn't even a campus. It was like a call center really um, in Portland where they were looking for people to train their staff. Oh, okay. And it seemed kind of to, to work with a lot of my background. I, mind you, I got my very first job when I was 14 years old in a call mm-hmm. center. So like, that was the very beginning of my professional career. Oh, so like I was 14, I got a work permit. I started working in call centers. And so this particular job, it was a call center. It was in education. It paid really well. At that point, I already had a college degree and it paid really well compared to what I was doing working with at-risk kids. And so I took the job 
And from there, I ended up in like corporate training, sales training. Um, and then I ended up in software land somehow, like five, six years later. How now, what year was that, that you started to work for early 2000s? It was early 2000s. And then your mom, she was doing facials, like aesthetics Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Um, Was she, was she working with her sibling? No, she, um, her sibling's not in the industry. Her stepmom is in the industry. Oh, okay. She wasn't, she always worked on her own. So my mom is like, you know, the other 50% of beauty professionals, she mm-hmm. leases the space. And so she had been in different salons and different spas, just like leasing a room to do her own work. She always talked about at some point, maybe like opening her own salon, mm-hmm. but I think sometimes it's more challenging for skincare. Yeah. Um, people to do that, you, you're kind of, limited to a smaller space it's not like a hair salon where you can have like mm. multiple chairs um you would need to have like multiple rooms and um anyway yeah so she she just leases a room so tell me how mm-hmm. did the creating app the app come up well I know you were saying it's because your mom was having a hard time finding a different place to go to yeah and so, yeah um the way it came about is I you know, I, I was a corporate trainer and I ended up in sales and I ended up in software. So I was doing software sales training for a number of years. Part of my daily usage was LinkedIn. So like I was mm-hmm. building sales teams, recruiting salespeople. I was um, working for different startup, a couple of different startups. And every day for at least a decade, I used LinkedIn for posting a job, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, finding clients, whatever it was, it was just kind of a universal tool. And at the same time, I remember every time my mom wanted to leave her, you know, current location to go lose a different spot, she would call me and ask for help. And I would create like a spreadsheet with information that, um, that she gave me as her criteria, like the location, how much she wanted to pay Mm -hmm. for the lease, you know, the amenities, like she always wanted to make sure there was a receptionist because, um, her English wasn't great and she didn't have online booking. Mm -hmm. So she wanted to be able to use a receptionist. She wanted, um, onsite laundry. So she didn't have to like call her towels home every night. So like all of these things would lead to me spending an entire weekend, like calling around different salons and spas, like that I would Google, Mm-hmm. Um, and asking if they had a room for rent and then presenting a document to her and being like, these are the options, where do you want to go? And at one point it just kind of clicked for me that if there was something like a central repository of all of this information of like where the salons are, where the jobs are, what kind of amenities they offer, mm-hmm. um, that was just specifically for the industry, which would almost be the equivalent of a LinkedIn for the beauty industry. Yeah. It would make life so much easier for people like my mom and also for me having to look for her every time she oh yeah totally no I remember getting out of beauty school it was 2006 and I tried to find I graduated from Northwest College in Beaverton and I wanted to do an apprenticeship in Portland and I would just have to cold call and show up at salons and the place that I found had posted an ad on Craigslist yeah that was it that was how I found out about him Yeah. I remember asking when I first came up with the concept in my head of like what this app or what this, you know, I don't don't know if I even knew it was going to be an app or I thought it was a website, but the concept of it, I remember asking my sister-in-law, she was doing my hair. She's a hairstylist, but she lives in San Diego. So she was up here visiting um, when I had my daughter and she's doing my hair. And I was like, Hey, you know, you always talk about leaving San Diego to move to different States. 
when you, for example, talk about moving to New Orleans, how are you going to find a job? And she was mm-hmm. like, oh, we just walk door to door in areas that we like, you know, like yeah. neighborhoods that we like. You just walk into the salon, fill it out and say, do you guys have a chair? And I was like, oh, that just blows my mind that anybody would be doing that. Like, I, know. I haven't even thought about doing that in, you know, 15 years because there's technology for that. So like, yeah, why would you do that? So I think so, it kind of validated the need at that point. How, and then now were you, now we were talking about you working at your company you didn't necessarily want to leave your company, but it just kind of happened since you wanted to focus more on this app. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, you know, the part that I glossed over is I, I spent the last 10 years before starting Ziva building sales organizations for two other startups. And so I was familiar with the startup scene. I had been through the blood, sweat and tears of the very early days of a startup. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been through two exits, but they weren't mine. I did it for other mm-hmm. people. And so I knew that it was time for me to put on, um, you know, the CEO hat and just start my own startup. Um, I was terrified. I knew like the dedication and the amount of work it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea it was going to be as, <laughs> as hard as it's been. But when I first, um, came up with the concept and I started building the MVP, the, the minimum viable product, the very first version, I thought that I could probably continue to work as a sales director, you know, in my, in my old company for at least another year because the product mm-hmm. wasn't ready. We weren't ready to go to market yet. Um, we hadn't raised any money. And so I thought that this was going to be a side thing that I would get to do for a while until I really got serious about it. And um, that's not how it panned out in real life. The way that it panned out was I had to make a decision to either, you know, continue to be a sales director and, you know, work in a place where people took me seriously as a sales director or, you know, go off on my own and do my, do my little project. And so um, that's a panic for sure, because when you left, it wasn't, well, first of all, it wasn't quite planned, right? Well, I talked to my husband that morning. So before I went in for the conversation, because I, I felt like I got to a point where I needed to come clean at work and be yeah. like, hey, I'm working on something on the side. Just want to make sure that like this doesn't come back from other sources. And so I told my husband that morning, it's <laughs> like, I'm going to go have this conversation. And there's a possibility that I may walk out of there today um, with no job. And he was like, that's fine. He was like, this is something you need to do. And, you know, you have to pursue it. And maybe that's that's what you need to do is just do it full time. And I was like, wow, he's like really lax about this. I don't think he, I don't think he knows I'm totally serious. Yeah. And when I came back that day and I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't have a job anymore. He was like, okay. He was like, you burned the ships. Like let's keep moving forward. And it was how, incredible. How did you, there has to be a, some yeah. panic with that. Right. Oh, there's, there's definitely panic with that. I'm not going to say there was no panic with that. I mean, I kind of expected a different reaction than what I got, but at the same time, I'm really big on like destiny and I'm, yeah. I'm superstitious. Yeah. as you know, I'm very superstitious yeah. and I believe like everything happens for a reason. So I knew at that moment, I was like, something major is about to change my life. That's really I'm cool. I'm going to roll with it. And yeah, there was definitely a lot of panic. But um, there was there was something else that was happening in the background that I had no idea. And that the first company that I had worked for for seven years 
they had an exit that I did not know about at the time when this was happening. And their exit meant that my stocks got cashed out from, mm-hmm. from that experience. And that happened within like a week of me leaving my other job. So it was just like the timing of it. I was like, wow, here's the universe 100% validating exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. So it kind of gave so, you a little bit of a cushion. It did. Right? Yeah. So it was just all great timing. And um, like you said, I felt like it was happening for a reason. It was like a sign that I was doing what mm-hmm. I was supposed to be doing. And, and, um, and I'm really excited that it happened this way because I honestly don't cool. think I would have given it the time and attention it deserved if I treated it. Yeah. And you have two, you have a daughter and a son. Mm-hmm. How old were your children when you started to focus on the app? They were four months old and four years old. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like power mama. Now, part of you kind of wonders, you're like, was this part of your like, postpartum depression? Yeah, like, yeah. Like it's supposed to, you're like, let me create a startup. Yeah. Well, I was thinking I wanted to open a salon last year. And then I'm like, I, that's not going to work out. Yeah. Not right now, at least. Um, now, how much, so Ziba Hub, Ziba means beautiful mm-hmm. in Farsi. It does. Mm-hmm. Did you have other names for the app? I didn't. That was kind of what I wanted from the very beginning. That's so sweet. And um, I actually just wanted it to be Ziba, but there is um, this amazing uh, industrial design firm in Portland called Ziba Design. Oh, okay. And we wanted to make sure they're also Iranian owned. Um, We wanted to make sure that there was no overlap or confusion Mm. between our company and theirs. Oh, okay. Just also out of respect, we just did Ziba Hub. Um, and because a lot of tech companies have hub. Oh, okay. Got we it. wanted to differentiate by calling it Ziva hub, but yeah. When did the app, was it 2018? Um, yeah, 2018 is when we started creating the MVP. 2019 is when we finally went to market in Portland. Okay. Yeah. And then, so the app, so when you market in Portland, the app was live then, right? Yeah, so um, in April of 2019, we went live in Portland with a very small, um, we called it a beta test group. Mm-hmm. Um, we, had, we had a little launch party and we invited people, we gave them access to the app. And then we told them to tell their friends if they, if they liked it. <clears throat> Our goal was to try to get about 300 users on the app. Um, we figured if we got about 300 users, we would get a lot of answers. We'd get a lot of validation. People would tell us what they like or don't like. And then oh, that's cool. if we got the 300, um, then we could start building um, a real version, like a sturdy version that we could distribute more wildly. wildly. And um, we ended up with over a thousand users. So that's great. It was pretty cool. Like the market response was beyond what we'd expected. It was, a, was, they all, uh, was it all primarily in Portland or was it in different states? <clears throat> It was mostly in Portland. We had a few users up in Seattle um, okay. because there's a lot of, I think, reciprocity between Portland and Seattle. Like a mm-hmm. lot of people move up there and, and have friends up there. So somehow they found out about us in Seattle. We got some jobs that got posted um, to our job board in the Seattle area. But we tried to really tighten it up to just the Portland um, market because the, the problem with an app like ours, it's a marketplace app, is if you get somebody from, you know, New York City to download the app and there's no jobs in New York City, they kind of look at it once and they go, oh, there's nothing here for me. 
Mm-hmm. And then they don't use it again. And so when we do launch in New York City and there are jobs in their area, they might still have it in their head that like, oh, I, I already looked at this. Or oh, got it. So, okay. So tell me what the, because I know now, because you're not only servicing stylists or beauticians, you're also doing clients. But tell me first, how does the app work for stylists or beauticians? Sure. Um, so for industry professionals, you can use the Ziva app to create essentially a digital resume. So that was something that I always noticed my mom was lacking was like a resume that she updated with all of her education. Um, as an esthetician, I saw my mom going to take classes like two, three times a year. She would even go to Vegas sometimes to take classes, but there was no place where she was tracking all of these investments mm-hmm. she was making in herself. And so the Ziva um, profile for a stylist or a beauty professional is really a centralized location where you can track all of your experience, all of your education and um, your brand affiliations. So like what products you're used to using, oh, okay. what products you've used in the past. It's a reflection or a snapshot of essentially your career, like who you are. And then we also have inclusion badges that allow you to express what you stand for. That's so, awesome. you know, the inclusion badges are anything from like LGBTQ friendly to like the job safe for places that, you know, that offer, um, uh, private one-on-one uh, services to like gender affirming. They're just different inclusion badges that are an optional way for you to declare what you stand for, who you welcome and, and what your business offers. And so um, you can use that profile once you create it to apply to jobs and lease opportunities if you want. So we have a work board where you can search and you can find those opportunities based on your criteria. So we have different silos for commission jobs than we have for lease jobs and we have for freelancecapes, for example, or apprenticeships for those who are just graduating. Or that um, portfolio is what customers can now search to find you based now, on you know the information that you enter. How did you, because specifically was the app just mm-hmm. meant for beauticians? Yeah. For you, that's what you wanted. Now, how did you get into having clients on there? So initially I looked at it, like I said, as like the LinkedIn, like <clears throat> here's a place where a stylist can maintain, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, my allergies are really bad. Um, here's a place where a stylist can maintain a digital portfolio where they can um, track all their information and then they can look for jobs. And here's a place where salons can post jobs or opportunities for lease. That's really what I looked at initially when we um, started to create the app. Over time, we realized that we already have this great information, right? Like we know who Emily is. We know what Mm -hmm. Emily does really well. We know where Emily works. We have her booking link. We have her website. Why not allow customers to also find Emily Mm -hmm. through our app, right? It becomes another lead source for you. And we were going to add that feature in down the line once we have more users, but the pandemic really sped up our roadmap. And when we put that feature out, Because last year when the pandemic happened, a lot of stylists ended up losing their clientele, not necessarily because the economy crashed, but because people were scared to come Mm -hmm. back to receive services because of COVID. And then also um, there was an element of, well, I'm not going to the office. I'm not being seen by people. So I don't need to get services as frequently as I Mm -hmm. used to. And so when we started doing focus groups and asking people what they needed after the, uh, the pandemic to start recovering, um, a lot of people said, well, I need more customers. Mm-hmm. And so we took that information and we created a customer portal 
um, and we added a couple of fields. So the customer portal allows customers to tap into the Ziva app and look for um, stylists and, and beauty services based on not just, you know, the criteria we talked about, what do you do, what kind of brands do right. you offer, whatever, but also your COVID provisions. So you as a stylist can now add your COVID provisions onto your profile so people can see what you're doing, what precautions you're taking, are you vaccinated, whatever it is that you want to put on there. Um, so customers can search by that. But also after the um, sort of social awakening in the country last year, people started becoming more conscious of where they spend their money and what kind of businesses they support. So those inclusion badges we already had in our system, we mm -hmm. also made that available to customers to use that as search criteria. Oh, great. So now okay. customers can look for um, BIPOC-owned businesses or providers. They can look for um, salons or, or providers that support Black Lives Matter. They can look for places that offer, you know, Black hair services or, like I said, LGBTQ um, uh, uh, mobility device accessible, um, as well as like, you know, a slew of other inclusion badges that we have. How do you, can you keep track as to how many users are beauticians and how many users are clients? We can, we actually have a way when we run our reports to see the percentage, um, that are, uh, professionals versus like customers. And how often do you guys run the reports? I look at them obsessively, like every day. Oh, it's like, well, you know what? Did you see? Did you see my little thing about uh, Dr. Evil? No. That I'm taking a break. Yeah. Oh, on yeah, yeah media, I'm taking a quote, short, end quote, break. I did see that. Because I am. I'm an addict. I am yeah. an addict. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. does your husband say, like, stop looking at the reports? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> So my husband is actually a co-founder. So he is okay, just yeah. as vested <laughs> yeah. in our success as I am. So he's always like, how's it going? How many more users? Yeah. <laughs> no, he's actually, he's actually great. Um, but I, I feel like I need to do a better job of like chilling out a little bit. Yeah. How many users do you have so far? We have about 1500 users right now. That's great. Yeah. Now, where are you guys? launched at so we're here in portland we're still you, in portland i thought you did washington didn't you do washington or no we're still in portland um we're still in portland we do have some users still in washington so i mean yes vancouver washington we definitely have users in vancouver washington that's within the radius that we cover um and then up in seattle we still do have several jobs listed if, if anybody's listening in seattle please go apply um, but yeah, there's still jobs in Seattle. Our, our next major move though, is going to be, um, further South. So we are looking at California Okay. and we would like to launch in the California market, um, pretty soon. We are just trying to figure out strategically how to do so, um, with as little funds as possible because we're not the best funded tech company out there. Yeah. Shopping. Well, did you get a hold of Brittany? at all because we were talking about that yeah, yeah yeah we've been talking to Brittany sweet I'm sure she would help with that yes um so now going back to the bike pack community you had just started forming um I don't know if it's like not an alliance but you teamed up with PDX Black Unicorn yes oh my gosh yes so last year around this time um I was noticing that um there were tons of lists out there for black owned restaurants 
and like Mm -hmm. grocery stores and different types of businesses. But what I noticed is that there was no list out there for black owned beauty businesses or black beauty providers in Mm -hmm. Portland. And so it just seemed like the right thing to do being that we have, you know, hundreds of like salons and providers Mm -hmm. in the area. Um, And I thought, why not centralize that list? And so we started to curate a list of black owned beauty businesses in Portland and ways that people can support them. So like links to their website where they could buy products or, you know, gift cards or donations or whatever. Um, And during that process, a bunch of people tagged um, PDX Black Unicorn. They were like, hey, Mm -hmm. PDX Black Unicorn is doing something similar. And so I didn't know of PDX Black Unicorn before, but ironically, Jessica and I were both part of the Pi Incubator, which is Portland Incubator um, Experiment, which is a a, a tech accelerator Mm -hmm. um, here in the Portland area. And I guess we sat like one desk apart from each other in the incubator, but maybe we just weren't there at the same time. But anyway, Mm -hmm. I reached out to her and I said, hey, I'm trying to create this list. People keep tagging you. And so, you know, what is it that you're doing and how can we do it together? And so we started talks way back then and we just finalized a partnership um, very recently because what Jessica was doing is she created a website where she was curating um, just black hair care providers in the Portland Mm -hmm. area. It was a directory and she was putting it in the website and people could go search there for just, you know, black hair care services. What we had created was a little bit more broad than that because we were also tracking people who were creating products, people who were doing like skincare services or massage or anything related to beauty and wellness. And so um, what we realized is that we both had very similar objectives was, you know, creating um, an inclusive place where people can find the services that they need that also align with their values that match their specific um, criteria. And since we already have the mobile app and the infrastructure, we decided to join forces and amplify both of our voices. So now we're great. When was that? Because I just saw a post about that like a month or so ago. Yeah, like I said, we've been talking for months, but we finalized it about a month ago. Um, And so we are now in the process of just letting people know like, hey, you know, you can start using the Ziba app for all of your needs. And we have those inclusion badges and different filters that you know, you can use to narrow down exactly what you're looking for. Um, and if you're somebody who was using PDX Black Unicorn before, you can now register in the Ziva app and it makes it a mobile, you know, more hands-on experience for your customers. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So COVID, I know it's been terrible for people. Um, some things have halted, like we were talking about you hosting an event or Ziva Hub hosting an event. But it actually pushed you guys to reach out to clients, yeah, potential clients. So in a way, it's kind of pushed you more forward in some mm. aspects with the app. It has. I know. We were in the middle of raising um, capital for the business at the time when COVID happened. So we, we are like any other tech company, you know, as you may have noticed, we don't charge anybody to use our app. So the app mm-hmm. is free. And the way that we can do that is that we've raised money from investors to be able to create the app and create the marketplace. And so we were in the middle of raising money when COVID happened and we raised about, you know, half of what we needed and then everything shut down and things went sideways. And so we were forced to get really, really creative and Mm -hmm. figure out, you know, the best way to stay alive, stay afloat and keep moving forward. And I think that um, the customer portal 
and also including, you know, those diversity badges and, and focusing on intersectional beauty was a big deal for us. If you look out there, there are apps you can use to find services for just black hair. There are apps you can use to find services for the LGBTQ community. There are apps you can use to find services for larger body plus size people. But all of those apps are very one-dimensional. So our app is the only one where you can include all of those attributes and you can find like an intersectional provider. So you could be black, queer in a handy, you know, in a uh, in, in a handicap category. Um, oops, sorry, no, you have to edit that one out. I have to remember what we actually call it. Oh, you could be black, queer, and then a, a mobility device. You could be um, of a larger body. You could be Muslim wearing a hijab, and you could use all of those filters simultaneously mm-hmm. to find a provider who can provide the services that you're looking for, which is very different than having to go to several different apps and websites to piece that together. Now, you were saying that you were halfway with investing or getting investors. Is that right? Yes. Are you going to be able to do that again? Like once people get vaccinated? Um, we're we're going to look into our options as far as raising funds again. You okay. know, I think we're in a different place now. Listen, it's it's been very challenging, I think, for women and for people of color mm-hmm. to raise money. Historically, I think women have received less than 2% of venture capital. Um, COVID made it even worse. So it's been, I believe, the worst year in history for mm-hmm. women capital. Yeah. Um, and for people of color, it's even worse than that. And so we are not holding our breath on, um, you know, having major investors come to the table and say, like, we really believe in this intersectional beauty app that supports a 90% women industry. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. we're not exactly what most investors are looking for, but we know there's somebody out there who believes in the mission and, and who wants to work with us. But ultimately, I believe that we can succeed with just the support of our users and Mm -hmm. people get really engaged and start using the app regularly um i think we can do it on our own and what's the goal for you guys for this year for this year the goal is to get into one more state so that's what we're focused on like california then right or yeah yeah, okay so either california or another state that's close by we've looked at you know nevada we've looked at different different markets so we just need to focus on one market and then go after that market yeah, I mean, I feel like you did a pretty, you're doing a pretty good impact with Portland. Yeah, Portland so. is good. We get, we get great testimonials and feedback all the time. Like I get DMs um, that we read on Instagram all the time from oh. people saying like, thank you for doing this. Or like, you know, we love your app. We love, we love how positive you guys oh, are. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. It feels yeah. really good. It feels really good. Um, and then, oh, question about that. Uh, now clients can leave reviews for stylists on the app. Is that right? We can't do that yet. We're not oh, doing okay. that yet. Um, the way that we looked at it, it seemed like it would be um, kind of like, you know, the other app that's out there where people leave really mean reviews all the time. Oh, yeah. When people don't <laughs> <Yelp>. <laughs> I wasn't going to say <laughs> Um, we don't want to be like that. We don't want to no, be like, we're like them. negative um, information, but what we will probably have is some kind of a compliment system yeah, um, events where if somebody's really excited, then they can leave a compliment, which is, you know, I think, I think I love that. better information than. Oh know, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to go ahead and add? 
for this interview to people? Um, I would love for people to download our app. That's how, yeah. that's, how we, that's how we're here. That's how we stay afloat. So if you're in the beauty industry, um, we would love to have you download the app and start using it. Tell your friends about it. If you're not in the beauty industry, but you're looking for services, we would also love for you to use our app and then tell your beauty industry friends about yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you, Madonna, so much for being on the show thank for the third you. time. Thanks for letting me do my shameless plug at the end. <laughs> no, I love it. And I I have the jingle. Well, it's not, I guess it's not a jingle. It's the right. Are you going to sing it? Huh? Are you going to sing it? No, well, I was going to try and find it. Are you able to find it right now? No. Or no? Okay. It's like, it's not super lengthy, but I was thinking about making it fun. If that's oh, okay. I can, I can find it. Find it. Do you want me to? Yeah, I'd love to. Just tell me what you need me to say. I know you sent it to me. I was trying to find it. You're you're like, is this too lengthy? And I'm like, not at all. Oh, here it is. Ad blurb. I see it. Oh, it's too lengthy. I don't think so. Okay. I could say it at the beginning of the show. Sing it. (laughs) (laughs) No. Ziva Hub. Ziva Hub is the mobile app where beauty professionals grow their careers. Create a free profile to browse job opportunities and get discovered by customers seeking your skill. From balayage to box braids, use the Ziva Hub app to discover BIPOC, gender affirming, affirming, hijab safe, and other specialty providers who meet your needs and align with your values. Visit www.zebahub.com to learn more today. Is that good? That was really good. You put you put your NPR voice back on. I love it. it <laughs> you told me that before, and that's not the first time somebody has said that. I know. I love it. So, love it. do you want me to say it with more of a higher pitch or more? No, no that sounds pretty good. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to sound like the guys from Crooked Media, the I, I love America. So yeah. Anytime I mention MPR, it's a huge compliment. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, well, guys, this is Madonna Slahey Stewart, CEO and founder of Ziba Hub. And if you want to go ahead and learn more, where can they find you? They can find us at www.zebahub.com. They can find us at Ziba Hub on Instagram. Or they can email us hello at zebahub.com. Well, thank you so much, Madonna. I'm thank so you. glad I got to see your beautiful face. Me too. Yeah. All right. So that was my interview with Madonna Salehi Stewart, creator and founder of Ziba Hub. You guys, you're either a client or a kick-ass person in the beauty industry listening to the show. And if you're a client who's in search of a hairstylist, barber, nail tech, or esthetician, you should really hop onto the app, download it, and check it out. And if you're in the beauty industry and in search of community, a new place to work, or have an opening at your salon, get on Ziba Hub Workboard and tell your industry friends to do the same. Well, thanks you guys for listening. So be safe, be healthy, and above all, be hopeful. This is your therapy session with Emily. I'm your host, Emily Mazur, aka Portland Hairstylist. 
show written by Emily Mazur, sponsored by Ziba Hub, and editing by 127 Media House.